You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi everybody, it's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting that bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Um, we have videos going up daily, but sometimes two, three times a day. And I want you to miss any of the great stories and memories um, that we're talking about and categorizing. Today's guest, you'll recognize him, a comedian, folk singer, entertaining the nation for, I wouldn't want to say how many years, Richard. Uh, it's Richard Digest. How are you? How are you, Richard? Well, I'm all right, but um, in a lockdown, you do things like gardening that you've never really been that mad oh, about. Oh, and you walk into a tree, and oh, uh, that's branch one and that's branch two. And they so wanted to be on the telly that they kept their scabs on just for you. Oh, that's very kind of you. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, I, I feel honoured. I feel touched. <laughs> so, feel apart from, <laughs> yeah, so you feel pain, yeah. Apart from the uh, the gardening incidents, how is um, how's lockdown been treating you? It's um, a weird, weird, weird world we live in. It's very strange, Russ, because I'm a performer, and uh, yeah. my hunch is I could probably never perform again in in the usual sense. You know, mm. if you take a gig like. Um, like the Queens at Hornchurch, for example, you know, I just don't fancy playing there again with no. two seats empty, blah, blah, blah. It kills the atmosphere, you know. Yeah. And um, and so I'm really working on soundtrack stuff. I've been working with Bill Bryson, the author, mm. and uh, for audio books, really. So it's, it's a really a studio-based life now as opposed mm. to performing. I'm already missing it, and I haven't been out the house for five months um and that's a bit drab for me you know i saw my daughter my youngest daughter for the first time on sunday and it's been five months so it's like uh but i'm the same as everyone else i'm doing my best to get through you know? yeah exactly um i live in horn church so i live about i live about two minutes away from the queen's theater so i, ah. I know exactly what you mean <laughs> I know what you mean. It must be hard. I've spoken to a lot of um, a lot of performers, uh, a lot of comedians as well, actually, and it's the same yeah. thing because you, you you obviously as a performer you feed off that crowd interaction as well, don't you? And atmospheric, having, Russ, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, it, it would almost like be playing the church for me, you know, and yeah. uh, and I just think it's probably not going to change now. Certainly not in my lifetime, and so I just find other things and. Uh, I can't say that I'm. I've found a solution, but I'm doing my best to keep creatively active, which is what I am, you know. And um, we'll see how it goes. But there's nothing wrong with starving. No, 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 no. Exactly, exactly. Is, is there a? <laughs> I could, I could, if only, if only, I was thinking about get, coming out with one of these uh, lockdown pods, but it hasn't really worked. But um, yeah, it's the it's it's it's. I mean. Uh, it's weird isn't it i mean I, I actually i sort of in a weird way i sort of enjoyed it you know because like 
it's not I, you know not having time to obviously i commute into work every day in london now i'm here with my daughter she's not at school uh, and you know and it's nice how it's nice to sort of spend some proper time together and not and also not be forced to you know when it comes to weekends and the the, the wife goes oh let's go and let's go shopping or let's go here and you haven't been able to for the last few months so it's been well, nice I, to sort of i said to someone the other day that that weekends have gone i don't yeah. think of a saturday you know um saturday always for me was um uh i wrote a book with chris kamara um called footy notes about football trivia and um, saturday afternoons for me was always sitting down soccer saturday um cammy would be on messing things up as usual <laughs> and i'd give him i'd text him and give him a word he had to put in um oh, wow. in, into a commentary and uh, i think the best one was green lighthouse <laughs> and uh and he went okay and then it was i think it's spurs i think and he said, oh, and Jeff, the ball came over and the goalkeeper rose like a huge green lighthouse. And, you know, uh, and I used to enjoy them silly Saturdays and, yeah. uh, and they've gone, you know. Yeah. But, um, it's the, for the future of my children and my grandchildren, you know, that I'm more concerned about. I've, I've had a really good yeah. thing, had the best life in the world, so I can't complain yeah i know what you mean and and also you know when it comes to saturdays it's soccer saturdays now at the moment it's soccer every day isn't it it's like i can't keep up with all the all the games at the moment no it's not football as i know it and uh and when you asked me very kindly to appear with you on this i just thought do you know what i'm going to enjoy making my notes and enjoy football as it was you know and i'm an umpy bloke with west ham you know because uh I loved the, the bowling and yeah. uh, I lived just down the road from the bowling and um, I was very anti the London Stadium anyway and uh, and there was a guy uh, in um, commentating on an Everton game and just the other day and he said uh, to the other commentator, do you think Goodison Park will ever see fans in the stadium again? Mm. The bloke said, I, I really don't know. and. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't know either. You know, it's it's just like a chasm of practice matches. That's how I see yeah. it. Yeah. You know? No, it's yeah, not. No, is it? You know. Nah. It's weird. It is weird. I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, I'm I'm fortunate of being one of the one of the three hundred there each game, and it is weird. And you know, it's it, and again, it's about just thinking about things differently. You know, I, you know, we would obviously we we put all the videos and the music and we keep, you know, keep the atmosphere, but there's no one there for, to do it. And it's like, you know, we're like, Oh, Oh, we got to put the music on, we've got to put the video on. And we're like, for who? You know, there's like no one here for my own benefit. I sense that would be the same if I was to walk on at the Queens, you know, it, yeah. it's a very similar thing and I actually don't want to do it. So, uh, um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. No, I know, but it's, uh, yeah. And obviously we got some, a few massive games for us um coming up and uh yeah it's at least i mean you know we've really with football on you you've got something new to talk about and because yeah. of the the plethora of games there's always something new you know it's always like you know you look at it you go god the season's over next sunday it's like <laughs> when did that happen? we played nine games in about four weeks it's absolutely yeah. mental then they can all go on holiday again after having five months on holiday and, uh... yeah Hopefully, win some games next year. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And I think is it mid September they're looking at kickstarting the season again. I mean, there is yeah. talk about doing starting with a I don't know twenty percent or something like that of fans. I think some fans would be better than no fans, to be honest. There, yes, because, I, I do agree with that, Russ. Yeah, and and actually, you know, being in the being in the London Stadium makes it a bit easier. I think social distancing wise, because it's a newer stadium and it's all the bowl yes. system, they well, can do totally, stuff. You're yeah. socially anyway at the London Stadium. <laughs> I know it's, it's quite a big place, but um, no, we'll see what it is. And, and and obviously for you, Richard, you know, being a West Ham fan, you know, clearly it was a geographical decision for you to become a West Ham fan. Yes, yes, I was born in Plasto, Howard's Road, yeah. Plasto, and um, uh, I I moved from uh, from Custom House, uh, uh, Mortlake Road in um, Canning Town, well, Custom House really, um, to East Ham 
um, due to slum clearance. <laughs> and um, strangely, my mum and dad took, took me with them, uh, which was a surprise. And uh, I ended up almost walking distance to Upton Park, wow. but not quite. Uh, um, the, the number 15 bus came from the White Horse in East Ham, um, round down Barking Road. And it was a penny halfpenny, would you believe, when I first went to West Ham. And sometimes I'd walk and buy some chips. Other than that, I got on a bus, which I'll tell you about when I get to my number nine. Oh, fantastic. I'm looking forward to your 11, Richard, particularly. <laughs> I really am. Because yeah. as I said before we recorded, you know, yes, it's, you know, it's nice to, for, you know, to document this stuff. But it's nice for me because, like, I'm learning about a lot of players and a lot of um, games and experiences that people have, which obviously I, I was a bit naive too because like you know and and so it's it's lovely you know it's like when we i know someone's talking about john charles and i go and you Uh know find out about him or or johnny sissons or johnny aries you know all these players that i had no idea of um i'll I'll tell you the first game um and i had to really uh, rack my brains i'm not even sure i'm right but i'm sort of right was 1955 how about that? Wow. And, and I used to have Charles Buckland's Football Monthly delivered every month. And there was pictures on my bedroom wall, like probably a lot of people of my age, you know. Yeah. And um, and we had Blackpool in the cup. And I just so, so wanted to see Stanley Matthews. And um, he had the crappiest game you could ever <laughs> wish to see. And, uh, and West Ham beat Blackpool in, I think it was the third round of the FA Cup that year. But I yeah. saw my first ever legend, which was Stanley Matthews. Fantastic. And I remember him saying, you're Richard Dyson's, aren't you? As he ran by. And, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he did. Yeah, he did. He's got all your albums, which Just is amazing. Stop. Yeah. I'm only five. Oh, I love it. It's funny, isn't it? It's it's true. I remember, like, again, you know, when when we've at West Ham seeing sort of players that you know. Remember when when Argentina played at Upton Park and and Messi yeah. was on the pitch at West Ham, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. this is this is incredible, you know, because we'd never obviously we'd never see a player of Messi's caliber, yeah, you know, in the claret and blue, but it was like incredible seeing his yeah. player. And I know. Amazing. West Ham used to have games. Um, uh, against what they called the All-Star Eleven, sure. And I think it was once a season. And I remember speaking to John Lyle once. I, uh, I went fishing with him up in Ipswich. And, uh, um, and we were just sitting there. And I said, I remember, John, when West Ham played for the first time in white shirts with a claret and blue band. And he went, I remember that as well. And yeah. I said, it was the All-Star Eleven. He said, no, it wasn't. I said, it was. It, because it was announced that it was a new strip, a continental strip, as they called it. And uh, and so me and John just went to war about the first time West Ham ever played in those white shirts, oh, which I think sort of became an away strip for a little while. But uh, yeah. I remember very fondly my boys running out in this brand new strip. And of course, then it was down to the sports shop in Barking Road to see yeah. if you could buy a replica. You know, and great, great, great memories. Yeah. As indeed of John Lyle, who was one of the very best. Of course, no, I know what you mean he's. It's just one of those things, isn't it? I mean, it, and you're right. Not just that, but you have. I mean, I remember. I don't necessarily remember what season things happen in, but I remember it based on the shirts. So yeah, it's yeah. like you know, and, and players. So it's like you know, for me, like Paladin Canier would always be in sort of that that one with the, with the big collar and and yeah, uh, yeah. and you know, and it's like I, I see uh, West Ham have just announced that the new. The new away strip, which was the old blue and and yeah, two right. claret strip, which I love as a, as a strip. And I remember yeah. when we had the SBO bet, Jack Collison wearing the long sleeve version. It's funny, isn't it? How you sort of so I don't remember the season it was in, but I remember it by the shirts. And it, I love it. Is you do all these things and you do all this television and gigs and things, and yet you still remember Tommy Taylor running out of his collar up, um, the one of our centre halves of years ago, and you just think. Why do I remember that? I bet he doesn't yeah. even remember that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's in and that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's about, memory. I mean, you know, I, I say it every episode, Richard, but we're not in it for the football. Uh, <laughs> we've backed the wrong horse if that was the case. But it is Absolutely. about the memories and it is about 
you know, communities, but, you know, you going fishing with John Lyle, it's about yeah, me talking to the other day, um, Addy from the Indian Hammers, which honestly, which just was an incredibly humbling experience, you know, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. and all that type of stuff. It's just, uh, you know, I, I think we're biased, but I just think we have the best fan base. I really do. It's just, Without question. I mean, there yeah. was, a, of course, we, we all know this, that, what West Ham was everyone's second favourite team yeah. around the country. I can't say it's like that now, but that they were because they were so homebred, you yeah. know. And um, uh, and we had a reputation for uh, great football, bringing players through. And um, I don't see that these days, but that's in my memory cells. You know, the, the fact that we were so respected and so loved, and um, and never crowd trouble because everyone used to love. I know it changed, but everyone loved the West Ham fans because we were following a fantastic team that everyone yeah. said, if I didn't support Man United, I'd support West Ham. You know, and the yeah. times I used to hear that. And uh, and I keep thinking, yeah, and I support West Ham and I go through all that drudgery and, and so on. Yeah. Uh, didn't want to do that with this particular chat. I just wanted to go, name where is my brain taking me on this little journey? I don't know. You and I. Let's start the journey, Rich. Let's start the journey because I'm 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 really I'm really looking forward to this. Right, so we'll do year eleven, and and I will let you just go any order you want, just because I, I've you know I can imagine there's a path, and I wouldn't want you to to divert it by me sort of going. Oh, let's talk about this play. I, no, I leave it to you, no, Rich. No, you just interrupt. I don't have a problem with that. No, no, no. no, you, no. You, you start, Richard. I, I'm and I I'm all ears. But what I've done, actually, Russ, is is I've gone back to the days when shirts had um, sensible numbers on, um, <laughs> because you know I I've no, I haven't picked up a, on a squad player who's wearing a hundred and eleven. You know I've um, I've decided to go one to eleven because I'm old enough to remember when that was the case, yes. and uh, a number one. Um, uh, when you asked me to do this for you, uh, it would be very, very easy to pick my favourites. Yeah. Um, Phil Parks, for example, Mervyn Day even, you know. Um, but I haven't gone down that route. My number one is actually Bobby Ferguson. Oh, yes. And, uh, I'd like to tell you why. Ferguson, when we signed him from Kilmarnock, he was the world's most expensive goalkeeper. Mm. And not only that, but he was Scottish, which meant that he couldn't catch corners. And it came from Kilmarnock. And me and my dad went to see um, a friendly, because part of the deal of Ferguson coming to West Ham was that West Ham got a friendly at Upton Park against Kilmarnock, you see. Yeah. And out comes this Bobby Ferguson, who we all knew we'd signed, but we'd never seen him before. And it, it was a sort of an honour for him that he would play his last game for Kilmarnock against his new club. Wow, yeah, it's really weird. Out comes Ferguson, is wearing red. Now, goalkeepers didn't wear red. Uh, they wore yellow jumpers or green jumpers. And um, don't forget the year before that, Gordon Banks wore yellow in 66. Yeah. Uh, and, and normally it was a green polo neck jumper or whatever it was. <clears throat> and this bloke runs out, probably because he's Scottish, I don't know. Um, with red jumper, red shorts and red socks. And I was standing in the chicken run next to my dad. And I went, that's him, dad. That's our new goalkeeper. My dad said he looks like a pillar box. I said, he does, but he's our, our new goalie. So the game starts and West Ham, with our new goalkeeper in goal for Kilmarnock, beat them 7-0. And I think Jeff Hurst, if I'm not mistaken, scored six goals. And my dad turned to me and said, that's our new goalkeeper. Yeah. And I never thought there would there would be a worse one, to be honest. Uh, I think there was. Uh, I'm trying to rack my brains here. I'm ad-libbing like mad. But we had a goalie called Noel Dwyer once. Um, and, um, and he had um, lard on his hands. He just couldn't catch nothing. Um, <laughs> But yeah, my number one, purely because it rem reminds me of standing with my dad in the sacred yeah. run, um, right hand side. You know, uh, I thought I'd choose Bobby Ferguson, number yeah, one. Yeah, like it. Yeah. yeah. 
Good shout. No, I, and that's the thing. Is, and it is about the stories, isn't it? About the memories and, and how players remember a certain time where you were, memory of your dad. That's a brilliant memory. It is such a West Ham thing, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's just like, it doesn't, nothing's changed, you know, like that in terms of just no. the, the way it would always happen. And what right, I was, with the young people, well, younger than me watching, uh, I just thought I'd, I'd just mention the games because. Uh, um, Ferguson, for example, had 240 games for West Ham and uh, signed in 1967. So it's a nice little bit of history yeah. about how it, and it. And we had a goalie from Scotland before that called um, Laurie Leslie, who was a phenomenal goalkeeper, got kicked in the head by Bobby Tamblin of Chelsea and knocked him out clean cold. And in them days, of course, they went off, especially big, burly Scottish goalkeepers. Uh, he went off. They stuck a bandage around his head and he came back on after about <laughs> 10 minutes. And, uh, and you just think, and it wouldn't happen no more. No. You know, it just no. wouldn't happen. But no, you're guessing that I was a goalkeeper myself, as I should explain as we go through. And yeah. so I always had um, my eye on West Ham goalkeepers because it's what I wanted to be. I was yeah. desperate to be a West Ham goalie. I had trials for Lake Norium, which didn't count. It was like one up from a paper round, really. But... Um, but I, I longed to play in goal for West Ham, as I told Parksy once, you know. And um, and so I can reel off the Jim Standons. Jim Standon, yeah. there's a West Ham goalie, played cricket for Worcestershire. And I always had this fear that he he, um, he, he might have got confused when the seasons changed and the, the cricket ball came over and he added it. You know, I had all these little theories about West Ham goalkeepers and... Uh, um, Great fondness of them all. And yeah. uh, apart from the one before um, Fabianski, yeah, well, yes. uh, yeah, well, when he won a goalkeeper anyway, was he? So forget that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, carry yeah, carry number two then. Yeah, this all right. Already for you. Yeah. Is this going all right? Is this how you want it? Yeah. This is brilliant, Rich. Just keep it coming. I'm loving it. I'm just sitting here listening to you talk or anything. It's lovely. Well, number two, uh, I've chosen, and don't forget these are shirt numbers, as I said. Number two, I've chosen John Bond. Yeah. Um, the reason I've chosen John Bond, 440 games for the Hammers. And uh, um, and that was before they, you know, were wing-backs. Um, Bondy just used to stay at the back and mm. size people if he had to, you know. And, uh, and the reason I've chosen him, because it was a free kick. Uh, again, again, I was in the chicken run, 1958, and uh, to get promotion, we had to beat Liverpool, and um, and John Bond was called Muffin, not for any connotation, but simply because he had a kick like a mule, and so his nickname was Muffin, and he was a great right back, really good right back, and he, he really took all our penalties, he was a bit race Stewart, you know, and he was phenomenal uh, at free kicks yeah. and there was a few minutes to go and it was nil nil i think and uh, and if we'd won we would have gone into the first division as it was premiership now and free kick bondy took it and he smashed this free kick into into the top uh, right hand corner and west ham were promoted and that gave me my first chance to see all the big names coming yeah. to, uh, to Upton Park, you know, because it was important to me, that free kick, because um, uh, the first game of the season when we went into the first division was against Wolves, and Wolves were mighty then. I mean, a really mighty, mighty team. You're talking of, um, I can almost name the team, but Billy Wright, Ron Flowers, you know, Peter Broadbent, these football legends who were all in my magazine, Charles Buckland, yeah. and they were playing at Upton Park. And, and and so I thank John Bond for that. So I have to name him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I know Kevin as well, but, uh, you know, it, it's nice to pay tribute, if you like, to some of these forgotten names who are a very vital part of, of our build, if you like, to get into uh, what was then the second division into the first division and see Spurs and and John White and Bobby Smith and Dave Mackay, you know, all these legends that I knew about but I'd never seen. And it was all down to Bondi's free kit. So for that, I thank you. Fantastic. 
Oh yeah, no, this, this is lovely. I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Carry on. You just carry it. number three. He's number three. Number three uh, is Frank Lampard, yeah. and uh, and that was an easy one for me. Uh, Frank and I are the same age. Uh, we met a few times, obviously, and uh, really nice guy. And I thought it was time we um, we blessed the name of Lampard, us West Ham fans, because unfortunately that surname has been dragged through the mud a few times. Yes. We all know that. Um, <coughs> very unfortunately, I think I, I I've always felt sorry for uh, Frank Junior because there was always this little bubble going on um, that that Frank played for West Ham because of his dad. Mm. And, uh, and that wasn't the case. But in the early days, and I knew Frank Jr. when he was sort of that big, you know, and he was a great player. But there was always this stigma, you know, about yeah. being Frank Sr.'s son, you know, and all that stuff. But the reason I've chosen Frank Lampard is 551 games, by the way, was that we're the same age and we were both born, well, both come from East Ham. And, and so Frank Lampard, for me, was that pillar of possibility yes, that, no. that someone from where I come from could actually play genuinely for West Ham United. And he did. And not only that, but he played for England a couple of times. Uh, and so he was really the, um, the bastion of local success. Uh, and so he had to be there. there. There were a few others. Noel Campwell was a good left back, way, 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 way back. Um, I don't see, I've struggled to find some more recent left backs, to be honest. I know I'm sounding like I'm a history no, teacher, true. but it don't matter. I remember when the Dead Sea wasn't even ill. That's how old I am. But I, I just thought, yeah, these are great, great stories. Lampard, a local boy, because um, uh, John Bond wasn't he? I think he came from further up in Essex or something near Dedham or somewhere like that. Uh, Ferguson, Scottish, you know. So I'm not just picking on the local boys, but Lampard, definitely. Frank Lampard, number three. Yeah. And, and as you said, at the time. Yeah, and as you said, you live, it's almost like you lived, you know, it, I do that with people who are my age who are maybe famous. You're thinking, God, what could have been? What could have been? I could have been him. And it must be the same with, with Frank. You look what you watch him play again. It could have been, <laughs> you know, that is me. I'm living, he's living my dream through his. It was living play. my dream. And yeah. he rolled his socks down, you know, yeah. a bit like Grealish. He just went in for it, you know, none of this nonsense of today. He rolled his socks down, got on with it. And, um, and as we know, Donald Strand corner flags, good for him. Yeah, good for him. And you're right. I think he's, and, and that's what's come through from these, from these interviews we have when people spoke about Frank uh, Senior is. You know, he's not he's not put in the same bracket as, as Billy and Bobby and 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 Trevor and he should be, you know, five hundred he said five hundred and fifty on appearances, you know, he's 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 he won on the FA Cup, you know, he's like, you know, it's it's that's what I mean. It's like we just seem to pick and choose who we revere, do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. you know, the word legend is banded around far too much in football. You know, someone's a legend and they only played eighteen months of the club where he played Years, years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. And and it, it's really weird, isn't it, that these mm. days you you almost, especially young kids, judge a player by their transfer fee. Um, and uh, I think us West End boys have uh, seen that that doesn't always work. No! I'm mentioning names, but it doesn't work. Or getting in expensive bandages as well. doesn't always yeah. work as well. Um, okay, moving on, number four. <laughs> Of course, Billy Bonds. Yeah. Billy Bonds is up there, is, is the pinnacle of West Ham servant for me. Um, I, I just looked down on my little things I jotted down. Do you know he was at West Ham 27 years, mm -hmm. taking in all the different roles and, and so on? And you just think, um, and he came from Charlton as well. He didn't start with us. So you just mm -hmm. think, wow, what a servant. And um, Billy, by the way, 663 games. It's astonishing, you know, yeah. and yeah, it'd be sent off every week now. We 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 know that, you know, yeah. um, and uh, I was trying to. I'm not thinking of Billy Bond. Someone else came came into my mind, you know, because I always remember Billy always used to comfort referees. He used to go and pat them on the back and go, "I'm sorry," and he got away with murder. But he was a, an astonishing what we need now type of mm. player, you know. Yeah. 
and uh, and and someone else came in into my head when I was thinking about that was Keith Robson. Keith Robson used to play alongside Billy Jennings uh, up front, and I think, and I'm I pretty damn sure I'm right. I think Keith Keith Robson was the quickest booking West Ham ever had. Uh, I think because we were playing Leeds Upton Park, and uh, Leeds kicked off, and the ball went um, back to Bremner, and Keith Robson flew into Bremner, nearly <laughs> broke both his legs and and got booked and i think it was four seconds uh, i think so how about that yeah that's pretty I mean, impressive it's well, over him or some or it's over him or i remember remember monks used to do quite well when he came on as, as a sub didn't they john monker it's almost like you'd count yeah. one yeah yeah two, three. John monker. yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, i love good it. sense of humor yeah but, yeah and, and the other interesting thing about billy bonds which you may not know is that at the time i was living down in Lyme Regis in Dorset because I'd been compulsory purchased by British Airways or whatever when I was living in Essex for Stansted, you know. So I thought, oh, I'm going to live by the sea. And I didn't fancy St. Joseph or Jaywick. So uh, um, I went west and moved to Lyme Regis. And, um, uh, and at the time, there was uh, like Tony Gow, McAvenny and so on. And, uh, and, and Tony said to me, do you ever see Billy down there? And I went, what, in Lyme Regis? He said, oh, yeah, do you know he's a serious bird watcher? And I went, really? Billy Bonds, this iconic <laughs> beast on the pitch, at his weekends was going down to a swannery in Dorset, bird watching. And I thought, no. But it's true. And no. there was that other side of Billy Bonds. He was quiet. He was um he he was hard conversationally because he was actually quite shy mm. um and maybe that's where the management you know tickled a bit wrong or, or whatever but he was for me the epitome of a of a west ham midfield uh, mm. uh, uh although i think a right back when he joined us but mm, yeah. anyway irrelevant but he he ruled didn't he he ruled a game and uh, and he had to be in my 11 purely because he's a bird watcher <laughs> yeah just, you're right he's such a humble quiet man yeah um, and and when we um when we rightfully obviously named the stand after him um last season we can't remember every season's just blended into one at the moment um but recently um you just saw how much it meant to him because the man you know he was quiet but you know even when i mean i i obviously never saw him play but i saw him when he managed and obviously when we went up in 92 and he was standing in the director's box you know there was no it was excited there was no emo, you know he wasn't a particularly emotional person but no. to see him literally this hard man you know i see the I remember the, the seeing the pictures of him with his no. Yeah, exactly. But I see like the picture of him with his things bandaged up and uh, you know smiling with a tooth out, and to actually crying almost he was crying his eyes out because he it meant so much to him, and mm. it was just amazing to see. It's amazing to see that because you know it was it was lovely to see and obviously all the fat the fans were cheer, cheering you know six foot two, and and obviously all the players were there. It was it was a beautiful beautiful moment and. Yeah, it was, it was long overdue, but um, but it was, it was good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. so he is proper West Ham, and and yeah, yeah and um, and no, you're right. Uh, you're totally right. Go on, Car carry on. Uh, carry on. I was just reminiscing about Billy Bonds, but I don't really know him, so it's like I don't know who, <laughs> as much as you. But um, no, he was a he was a, a great shout, and definitely yeah. a big in your team. That's for sure. Number five, we go number five now, Richard. Yeah, wearing a number five shirt as well. Um, my old mate Alvin Martin, I've oh, chosen yeah. uh, purely because you couldn't meet a nicer guy. No. Um, he was a real genuine bloke. Well, still is, but I mean, he was a real genuine guy. And um, I loved Alvin a lot. And we always laugh, me and him, because um, our hair has gone the same way. And I identically the same because when he came to, uh, um, to, to West Ham originally he looked like a cross between Leo Sayer and Kevin Keegan you know uh, as did I um, I haven't always looked like this I, I just look like this because it's a fashion you know yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a choice yeah 
yeah, I'm getting a bit long at the back, but I ain't got hairdresser. But anyway, um, Alvin came to West Ham and he ended up playing 469 games for us. And I find this astonishing in, in, in modern football that yeah. I can reel off these facts that I have to look up, you know, I'm not an encyclopedia. And I just think 469. And I remember Tony Gale telling me a great story about Alvin because Alvin came to my house. He wanted to um, start after dinner speaking, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so we went for a game of golf and, uh, and I said to him, tell me some funny things. And, you know, Alvin, he's, he's chirpy, but he said, I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm just a footballer, you know, and not really got many funny stories. <clears throat> and Tony Galva, who was with him, piped in and said, I'll tell you what, Rich, he's got a great story. He said, we were, it was in his testimonial and uh, playing Liverpool and uh, all the players were lined up in the tunnel and uh, humble Alvin was standing there, uh, West Ham against the Liverpool 11 or whatever it was. And uh, Alvin Martin turned to Tony Gale on his own testimonial and said, Tony, all these, <clears throat> all these legends turning out for me, he said, I'm the only one on the pitch I haven't heard of. <laughs> and I just thought that was Alvin Martin. He was a club player and uh, played along Gailey for, alongside Gailey for a long, long time. Yeah. I loved a pair of them. And uh, um, England player, yet again. And... The most amazing thing about Alvin is, even if you see him today, he's never lost that Scouse accent. No. And uh, I'm sure that if I had gone and lived in Liverpool for as long as he's lived down here, I might have at least got a little bit of apples and pears, you know, and, yeah. and all that. But not Alvin. Once a Scouser, always a Scouser. And I'm really, really pleased uh, they brought his boy back. Um, I know he didn't play a lot, but it was it was a homecoming, really. And to see the hug, you know, yeah. uh, when he went and hugged his dad, you know, after that nice little debut for the boys, it was great to see Alvin and his son. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no, totally agree. No, I, I totally agree. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. You know, we have we have them. You know, these are what I call the adopted cockneys, and, yeah. and Alvin is an adopted cockney. You, you're right, and he's obviously he's, you know, he. he you know where he lives. <laughs> you know, he, uh, you know, he, his daughter, his, his son, his grandson goes is in the same year as my daughter at uh, oh, right. school, and he and he he turns up at the school fate with his with his other kid who does the football academy stuff, and you know, and he, he still see him around, and he's he's still got the he's still like a lovely guy. And again, with the, the whole Billy thing, when Billy got the stand dedicated after him, Alvin was the PA. He was the one doing it all, yeah. um, and, and rightly so because he's, he's such a lovely guy, and uh, yeah. <laughs> He fits it. He's a scouser. He knows how to nick a hubcap. Come on. <laughs> you said it, Richard. I didn't. And you're your mates with him, so you're all right. You get away with things like that. <laughs> <Not anymore. laughs> no. that uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Number six. Who would your number six be? Who would you mm. um, Matthew Upson. The... <laughs> <laughs> he retired the shirt, didn't he? <laughs> um, well, Bobby, obviously... Yeah. Um, I knew Bobby Moore because we worked at Capital Radio together, you know. Oh, wow. And, um, and I was just checking last night that um, uh, Bobby Moore, 544 games for the boys. Mm. And um, and he astonishes me um, because he went into management, didn't he, after Fulham, you know. Mm. And, uh, um, and Bobby Moore was a very, very difficult man to talk to. He was painfully, painfully shy. Um, and you read the stories of him and Jimmy Greaves going out on the razzle and all that, and I just think that's not the Bobby Moore I knew. But the, the greatest story I have of Bobby Moore is a personal one, actually. Um, there's a park near where I lived in East Ham called Goosley Park, and it's right on Beckton Bypass there. And um, and me and my mate Johnny Lacey were, were playing... Uh, in the park, like you do as kids. And um, Bobby Moore turned up and he's in my park because he's Bobby Moore was a barking boy. He, he was an East Ham boy, but he must have been going home down the bypass or whatever. And he saw some kids playing in the park. Bobby Moore, uh, who died on my birthday, unfortunately, um, and he stopped and he came 
and played football with us. And so me and John Lathy, my best mate at school, we ended up playing football with Bobby Moore. And, um, and when I met him quite a few times at Capitol and so on, I said, Bobby, you're not going to remember this, but you stopped your car and your, your Cortina or whatever it was and came and played football with me in Goosley Park. And he went, yeah, you're right. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but the greatest interceptor, um, Beckenbar, Moore, they, they stand like, in the words of Kamara, like green lighthouses, you know, <laughs> just a phenomenal, phenomenal footballer. The time, the timing, you know, the patience and going in goal even when um, when the necessity arrived with an injury. And stuff. Bobby Moore was everything to me. He, he was um, uh, the epitome, if you like, of, I was going to say the one club player, but I do sort of see him. As he, I know he went to Fulham, and I know he joined Bestie and all that, but but I still see him as that sort of bastion, I used the word earlier, of what West Ham was all about. Mm. And um, and if I was if I had Bobby Moore's eyes and I looked at the West Ham situation today, I would shake my head and mm. I would go, this isn't the club I played for. Mm. And uh, I find that sums up. Um, my feelings, at least, of what's going yeah. on these days, uh, um, it had to be Bobby Moore. Number seven, you're going to be shocked at, though, I've got to tell you. All right, go on, him. Let's go number seven. No, I, I don't think you say anything else but Bobby Moore. I think you, you've said it all so eloquently. It's, There's nothing to, to it. No, it's you not, know, no. No. Number seven, I thought about a guy who played for us a couple of times called Peter Braybrook, but he played mainly for Lake Norium. And the only reason I thought of Peter Braybrook was he was in my brother's class at school at East Ham Grammar School. Um, but he was uh, pretty crappy, I think. I don't, I don't really remember him. But I thought I could at least give him a name check because he knew my yeah. brother. And I thought, that's pathetic. <laughs> um, and number seven is a shock. Uh, I've chosen Alan Taylor. And the reason I've chosen Alan Taylor was because of the 1975 cup course, final yeah of course and um but that's not the only reason uh i think the reason i've chosen alan taylor is because he was the skinniest footballer i've ever seen he had no muscles uh uh he was a tiny little bloke came down from rochdale and so he was prepared to join any club let's be honest when you play for rochdale you'll sign with anyone uh, <laughs> out the place. and uh he, he ends up coming to west ham and uh he was a little wizard, if you like. I think we mm. called him Billy Wiz a couple of times on the chicken run, you know. Um, never went into a tackle because he would break. Uh, but the reason I've chosen Taylor is because he gives us all hope because he's probably, ironically, number seven, the only footballer who had skinnier legs than Harry Redknapp. <laughs> and he used to run up and down that ring all day, avoiding... <laughs> the likes of you know the hunters and the oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. hunters you know and um to have his glory moment um in the cup final um epitomized for me don't give up if you want to yeah. be a professional footballer it don't matter you don't have to be built like antonio you know and uh, and whatever you know you can you can still show show your business Devonshire wasn't a big player you know by mm. any means um, but Alan Taylor had it all against him. He, he weighed, uh, I checked this up, he weighed three stone, four pounds, soaking wet. <laughs> um, never headed a ball because they punched him out of the way and, uh, and, and, and came from Rochdale. So he weren't really in for glory, but he no. got it. He got it. And, yeah. and that is for the little kids, never give up, even if you're yeah. tiny like him. I filmed um, Theo Walcott for a while um, for a production company from when he was nine years old to when he was 13, I think, um, before he went to Southampton Academy. And Theo was twice as small or twice smaller than Alan Taylor when he started. And I did Theo's first ever interview and he never said a word. He was so, so, so painfully, painfully shy. And his dad, um, Don, 
um, had one dream for Theo Walcott, which was to play for West Ham, because Don was a massive Irons fan. And uh, at that time, he would have been a really, really good signing. Told Roger Cross about him, actually. Um, but um, nothing nothing really transpired. And that was a an interesting time for me, because I know Roger from school, uh, you know, the West Ham scout and coach. Yeah. And um, we were filming two lads. One was called Theo Walcott. The other was called Adam Lalana. And I said, Rog, check these two out. They're only 10 years old. And uh, he said, we'll do. And uh, nothing happened, Roger Cross. Naughty boy. Lalana <laughs> was faster than Theo Walcott as a little 10-year-old. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, going off the subject, really. But, yeah, nice. Alan Taylor, number seven, yeah. had to be. He did quite well for himself, didn't he? Yeah. Considering where he came from. Right, yeah, Alan Taylor. Uh, num number eight, then. Number eight, then. Who's number eight, then, then Richard? Martin Peters. Martin Peters, yeah. Um, and once again, I'm going on shirt numbers. Um, mm. Martin Peters did, was a number eight for a while. Um, this was after the days of Phil Woosnam and so on. And... Um, there's something special about Martin Peters that is personal, really, is that I used to live in Upper Brentwood Road in Gidea Park, and yeah. um, uh, number 456, right opposite St John's School. And I lived there with a guy called Jazz Summers. I rented a room in his rented. I did the cooking, rent-free, yeah. um, struggling musician. And... Um, um, Jazz Summers used to manage me, and I say the term loosely. He worked at Old Church Hospital as a radiographer, so he shut the door and red light went on, and he could ring folk clubs and get me gigs. And uh, this is all totally true. And um, anyway, one day he said, I can't manage you anymore. I don't really like folk music very much. He said, I've got a band. He said, I'm gonna, uh, I formed a band, and I'm going to manage them. And I said, Jazz, we, we're just making headway. You know, We're getting gigs and all that stuff. He said, no, nah, I don't want to do it anymore. I said, it'll be the worst thing you ever do if, if we split up. And I said, what's your band called? He said, Wham. <laughs> and he, he built um, George Michael and Andrew Ridgely, created Wham, and dumped me for Wham. What what a mistake. Anyway, we, yeah, we lived at 456 Upper Brentwood Road. And most nights, um, Martin Peters would park his car outside our house um, to wait for his boy at St John's School. And uh, I met Martin Peters obviously quite a few times, but I remember once we were at the Grosvenor celebrating a 1966 dinner and uh, yeah, bow tie job and all that. And I tried to find a photo to stick it up. I couldn't find it. And uh, I said, Martin Peters, he said, Richard Nigens. And I thought, blimey, he's heard of me. Martin Peters. Yeah. Now, it goes back to when I was at school and we used to go on coach trips to Wembley for England schools. They would play, you know, uh, France schools or whatever. And uh, Martin Peters played for Dagenham schools and he got chosen for England in the schoolboy team. And so when I was a, I just a little kid, I went along to Wembley, you know, my mum gave me the pocket money to go along, sit in the coach, and Martin Peters played in that game. And I told him that, and he went, yeah, I remember that game. I said, I was there, I was there. And I said, I was also there when you used to pick your boy up in Upper Brentwood <laughs> Road. And he said, oh, you should have come and tapped on the window. I said, Martin, the number of times I saw you and I wanted to just go, yeah, would you like a cup of tea? You know, and I never had I never had the guts guts to do it. And um, and he said, You should have done. And I said, and I'm this is gonna sound hugely arrogant, Russ, but I can only tell you the truth. Um, we're in the Grosvenor, bow tied up, and I said, Martin, it would mean the world to me if I could have my photo taken with you, because you're yeah. my hero. Martin Peters, and I swear on the Holy Bible, he said to me, Richard. You're my hero. It will be an honour to have my picture taken with you because you are my favourite comedian. Oh. And I burst into tears. I actually I burst. Just, yeah, tears. I can imagine. I couldn't take the photo because my eyes had gone red and horrible. And um, 
And for that reason, I know that sounds arrogant, but I just wanted it's to not, say. Yeah, I mean, you, you, it, at the end of the day, you're in a position where where you can do that, and it, and for someone to say something that to that in a professional capacity. You know, it's like I could say, you know, you're Russ, you're the best sales director of a market research company. You know, and that's, it doesn't really matter. It's all about and mm. what an amazing, amazing thing to happen, regardless. Yeah, it, of... was, it was. And I, I so wish all them days in Gideon Park. I could yeah. Have, Hi, Martin. Fancy a cup of you waiting for your boy. And yeah. I would have known really, really, really well, you know, um, but a really nice guy. Again, quite a shy guy like, like yeah. Bond, you know. Um, but and once again, the timing of the man, you know, the perfection of running. We all know what Ramsey said about him, you know, long before he was a chef. And uh, and you you just think to yourself, you know, he was right. You know, put Martin Peters out there now. He is one of the players that could easily shine in modern football uh, because he had the time, uh, you know, and the timing. Uh, Martin Peters had to be number eight for all those reasons. I miss him a lot. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I've got Martin in, and you're right. You know, and 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 again, you know, something I've I've appreciated more since doing this is is that is that basically, you know, all, people were doing all these things in, you know, Martin Peters was doing what he was doing on. Uh, mud heaps really not like yeah. on these bowling greens we have now and i think there's an appreciation of that um even more so now um going through and looking at all these all these old clips and talking about all these old players it's um it's incredible absolutely incredible right okay we'll put martin peter's number eight who's going to yeah. be number who's going to be number nine then clive best clive best god bless him yeah god bless him but there's a good reason for that only from a memory point of view. Uh, I saw him for the first time on Boxing Day against Spurs. Uh, but, <coughs> excuse me, Clyde Best and I have share a birthday, 24th of February, if anyone's interested in sending a card. Um, I'm actually two years older than Clyde Best. Um, but same birthday, so yeah, same cake, we shared. Um, and Clyde Best was a total enigma to me. You know, the fact that he, he never ran anywhere but scored goals. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the sort of Heskey of the time. And uh, and yet we loved him. We loved him in the chicken run. And, um, and we obviously hadn't seen many players from that part of the globe, you know. Stuff like that. But he was burly, uh, like burly. Um, and he could knock people out of the way if he felt like it. Because if you're talking about the shyness of Peters and the shyness of Bonds, they do pale into significant in insignificance with the shyness of Clyde Best. I mean, he was just a massive animal of a man who was as timid as a mouse, you know. And had he had that little bit more of regression, he would have given us 25, 30 goals a season, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's not really the... Um, the football prowess of Clyde Best that's made me choose that number nine shirt. It's because the, on Saturdays, um, I had a, a, a little ritual, really. I, I had to do my dad's sausage and chips every Saturday. And once I cooked the sausage and chips, I, I, I got my pocket money, um, as I mentioned earlier, and I walked to the White Horse pub in uh, High Street, South East Ham, which was eventually the landlord actually was originally um, ended up being Tommy Taylor, um, but not in my day. And um, and I walked to the White Horse pub, waited for my number 15 bus along Central Park, past the Hammers pub, up to the town hall, turn left down the Barking Road. And as I mentioned earlier, the number 15 bus journey for me was a penny halfpenny. Sometimes I went on it, sometimes I didn't. The reason I used to love to get on the bus and forego my chips was because, and you're not going to believe this, on match days, Clyde Best used to be on the same bus. That's huh? incredible. On match days. <laughs> and he genuinely had his boots and his <laughs> shoulders. Imagine. Incredible. Just yeah. imagine getting on a bus and Hallas sitting there. You know, or anyone, 
you know. And he never spoke to anyone, deep in his thoughts. And of course, he was so big, he took up two seats anyway. So he couldn't <laughs> And he always used to sit downstairs. I always used to go upstairs like kids did. But every Saturday, uh, I would go downstairs and I'd sit close to Clyde Best, who was getting a number 15 pass to the match. And you just think, that can't be true. No. It was. It's mental. Great memory. Incredible. Oh, what a fantastic memory. No, you're right. It's just so bizarre thinking about it. It's, it's even now, you know, when, you, when I'm speaking to some to some experienced fans and, you know, they'd work on the stalls and Frank Lampard have a stall and Harry yeah. would have a stall and John Charles have a fruit stall. And, and you just it's just a different world, absolutely different world. And to, as you said, you know, he it's the same with, with someone like Devonshire, you know, he used to get on the... Used to get on the train, you know, because he, he never drove, and uh, right. it just it's meant absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. He spent all his train money on greyhounds. That's why. <laughs> there was another number. There was another number eight I was thinking of was Ronnie Boyce. Yeah, um, sixty-four cup final. You know, uh, great moment for me as a little boy, <clears throat> but also that um, his mum and dad had a greengrocer's um, just off Haverley Gardens, which is behind South Bank there, um, going down towards sort of Central Park, Lonsdale Avenue, you know. Yeah. And Ronnie Boyce played for East Ham um, Grammar School. And uh, and the thought of a local boy whose mum and dad used to sell my mum and dad vegetables. Again, I thought, Ronnie Boyce, the boy that did what Richard Digent so, so wanted to do. Yeah. But he was a number eight and I was a number one goalkeeper, so he didn't really figure, you know. So I thought about Boise, but no, I, I went with Martin Peters in the end. Yeah. I've got oh, number yeah. 11 coming up. I know we're going to do 10, but I've got number yeah. 11. It's really interesting. Um, okay. But number 10, Trevor, obviously. I, there, there was yeah. no one else even came into my head. No, I can understand that, yeah. Have you got another number 10 that you could sort of put... In the- well, again, it's it's again not not in the truest sense, number ten. But obviously, for my era, number ten for me is Di Canio, isn't it? That, that's me. But it's but it's not in the uh, the truest sense of what a number ten is in the in the the more sort of elder no. years, so to speak. So no, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I think the history lesson I'm giving you all, um, <laughs> uh, number ten was inside left. Exactly. Um, yeah. And very much that inside left, you know, and um, and Trevor Brooking, of course, came through the ropes like like um, came through the system, yeah. if you like. Came from I think he was a Rainham boy, I think, uh, and um, and I saw him way 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 back when uh, I think Trevor started as like a defensive number four. I think I, I certainly don't remember him playing more forward um, when he started out at West Ham. And I always felt sorry for Trevor because in the days of long air, he tried to grow his hair long and it just didn't work. It, it just didn't work. He, he looked like a sort of a vicar who was growing his <laughs> hair long because of the Beatles. And um, I always felt sorry for him. And I thought, oh, Trev, you know, have it straightened, mate, have it straightened. Um, and obviously, um, I've known Trevor for many, many, many years and uh, enjoyed numerous conversations with me. I once said to him, um, who's the best player that you know at West Ham? And he said to me, what, coming up or someone about? And I said, no, coming up, who's the boy? Who's the boy that's going to be the new Trevor Brooking? And he went, I'll tell you, there's two. Joe Cole, and the other one, Stuart Slater. He said, those two are top budding West Ham stars. Joe Cole, Stuart Slater. And I I didn't really get it at first, and I started watching, I don't know if you remember him, he always used to come into the area on that sort of 45-degree slant like Trevor Brooking did, you know, um, before giving the nice pass to the goal scorer and so on. And Slater, who I think ended up in Celt- at Celtic, he, he modelled himself on Trevor Brooking and uh, um, never quite made it, I don't think. No. Um, but 
I think he was at Ipswich, and uh, I think there must have been a John Lyle connection. I, I really don't know. I'm just talking off the top of my head. But um, I liked Slater when I watched him. Um, loved Joe Cole when I watched him. Um, and Joe Cole should have been the eternal hammer as far as I was concerned. Uh, but uh, he's doing well as a pundit. He's doing great as a pundit. I think, I think yeah. I'd be, he, he knows his stuff, doesn't he? he Definitely does. knows his stuff. Yeah, he knows his stuff. And he's more intellectual than we are, mate. Let's put yeah. it that way. Um, but Trevor Brookin, yeah, had to be. And yeah. I, I, ch I checked him up and um, and I couldn't quite remember. Um, I, I put down um, 186 games, but I'm not sure I'm right there. I, you might probably know that. Some, uh, yeah, some, someone will mention it in Richard in the comments, so don't worry about it. Comments, there's going to be loads of them, aren't there? No, um, but it brings me to my number 11, yes. which is the most stupid, bizarre number 11 that I could possibly think of. But it made me laugh when I thought of this guy because he's a player that very, very few watching would have heard of, let alone appreciate. And his name was Ken Tucker. Ken and Tucker. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to tell you about Ken Tucker. Um, <laughs> where are we? Yeah. Now then, he made his debut for West Ham, listen to this, in 1947. And he scored a hat-trick on his debut against Chesterfield. Yeah. How about that? Stupid. Just after the war. But there's a yeah. real significant fact about Ken Tucker that makes him my number 11. Um, yes, um, long gone, of course. Uh, um, but... When I used to leave Upton Park, I used to come out round the bowling and head back down Barking Road to East Down Town Hall. On the left, coming down Barking Road, was a sweet shop where I used to go and get my frozen jubbly and me pink shrimps. And that shop was owned by Ken Tucker. <laughs> Ken Tucker's Tuck Shop. It was. It was the Ken Tucker Tuck Shop. Oh, wow. <laughs> and at the top you know, was Ken Tucker. And I thought, wow, I'm going into a West End footballer's sweet shop. And uh, and so every time walking home, I'd nip into Ken Tucker's sweet shop and, and get me jubbly. But um, I wasn't a great footballer, although I had a late Orient trial. It weren't really. I mean, it was 500 kids running around yeah. Brisbane Road, you know, and, and they picked one who's, got a rich dad or something and uh and i never really got a look in but but nonetheless i i, I played twice for east ham um, with roger cross and with a guy called raymond tucker and ray tucker crossy and me um were east ham red and white unfortunately arsenal um but nonetheless we still put the stuff on and and so i played football with ken tucker's son uh as did roger cross and uh he also used to feed me frozen jubblies and if that <laughs> isn't qualification to be a top west Ham player i don't know what is it's true i mean i i mean i remember um, once i remember once seeing uh paul kitts in woolworths in Loughton with a pick of uh, well a bin bag full of pick a mix a bin bag <laughs> no yeah 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 so so there's there's, there's my 11 mate Oh man, it's been amazing. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate all the effort that's gone into that, and everyone will do watching. You know, they love when you when you when you sort of take some time and go through and look at everything. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And every story, what I love is every every player has a story, and 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 it just makes it's it's a lovely. There's there's a book in there, Richard. I think there's a book nah. in there. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a book there, mate. I think so. Um, but. Uh, no, man, it's it's been absolutely a, a privilege talking to you. Thank you so no, much. That's all right. It's you know, it it's nice to be West Ham connected because I'm not these days. Um, of course, I'm an avid West Ham person. I have claret and blue blood, um, uh, but uh, I don't see West Ham today sure. as West Ham. I was that brought up supported. yeah as a child, yeah. and um, I have no comment to make on the three people um other than i loved upton park 
Yeah. It was, it was my youth. Yeah. And uh, I think it's where you were from, wasn't it? It's, it's geographically where you were from as well. So there's an emotion. There's not just a, a football tie, but there's, you know, everything else. You know, as you said, going to Ken Tucker's tug shop and getting on the yeah. 15 bus, it, it's it's the whole package. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's not the same. It isn't the same. You know, we, we know it's not the same. It's, it's different. And, and for some people, it's it's... Some people enjoy it. Some people don't enjoy it, and that, that's that's what it is, unfortunately. And uh, but uh, it's it's been been amazing. It's been it's been lovely having this sort of wander down memory lane, Richard. With you, oh, have a time. I'll think of some more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries, Richard. We'll have you on again. And uh, and obviously, thanks everyone for watching. Um, obviously, like, share, subscribe. Uh, and from me and Richard, take care, everyone. Stay safe. We'll see you again very very soon. And come on, you eyes. Big game tonight. Come on, you irons. <laughs> Take care, man. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.